just what are farmers thinking these days? We wanted to know, so we did a survey. Oh, and wondering if you're seeing a lot more corn rootworm beetles these days? You are. Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a weekly podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director at Farm Progress. We have a couple of divergent topics today. First, we'll talk with Jacqueline Holland, market analyst with Farm Futures, about our recent survey. And while we talk acres, there's more to the survey than that. And she shares some of the insights that we've learned. And while some may sound familiar, there are some very interesting findings. Then we'll talk corn rootworm beetles, which is a hot topic these days. We connected with Eric Wilson, agronomy manager with Whipple's Hybrids. But let's check in with Jacqueline first and see what you shared in that survey. Jacqueline, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Glad to be here, Willie. Thanks for having me. So you're here because uh, uh, you're you're continuing a tradition that started at Farm Futures a couple decades ago to really find out and get the sense of what farmers are going to do in the market at different times of the year, right? And, and, and this survey is what we just released this week. Yep, that's exactly it. We do three surveys a year. Um, the big reason why we do them is to get farmer input to USDA uh, yield and production projections. Um, but we ask other questions as well to kind of get a get a good feel for what farmers are seeing in their operating environment and you know what business decisions are top of mind for them. Yeah, I know we often, the highlight of the survey is often planting intentions at different times of the year and how many acres of corn or soybeans we might have. But we really do drill down in an operation with some questions, don't we? Yes, we do. You know, while that is the big focus, we ask a lot more, you know, we get a lot more information than that. One of the big things that we looked at in this last report or this last survey was what farmer intentions for their marketing plans are in the 21-22 marketing year. Um, and we found that the majority of corn and soybean and wheat growers have, um, they expect to store their crops unpriced at harvest, um, but at least half of them expect to have half of their crop, at least half of their crops sold uh by the end of the year so we really get a kind of interesting look at you know when farmers are looking to sell um and also you know how how that's going to impact the profitability on their farm hmm it's interesting because you know you'd think you'd want to price some of this a little early we've had some interesting pricing opportunities but you're not finding that right so while the majority of while farmers reported that a majority of their crops are going to be stored on price at harvest, they still have been taking advantage of these very profitable prices that we have seen in the futures market. Our, our soybean growers reported that they had 25 percent of their crop priced for delivery at harvest. Uh, 30 percent of the wheat crop is priced for delivery at harvest, which for the most part, winter wheat harvest is wrapping up here in the U.S. Um, and 20% of the new corn crop has already been priced for delivery at harvest. So, you know, farmers have a lot of different tools 
to use to capture these profitable pricing opportunities. Even though the majority of the crop is going to be stored and farmers are going to hold out for more profitable, more lucrative profit opportunities down the road, you know, they're still using a variety of techniques to diversify their revenue streams. So it's good. It sounds like they're trying to get some money in the bank to cover the bills and then also look at some potential uh, uh, pricing opportunities as things expand into the fall. What other areas did you look at in the survey that we're reporting right now? I know some of this is story ideas for us in the future. I get that. But there are things we did report in your story this week. What what other things should uh, did you find interesting? Um, I also found, I asked questions about what farmers think prices are going to do in, as the marketing year progresses. Um, farmers kind of overwhelmingly think that corn and soybean prices are probably going to be the lowest of this season, this harvest season. And, you know, traditionally that makes sense as all of these supplies come into the market you know, as you get more supply, basic economics tells us that that's going to drive prices lower. But despite China's crazy export purchasing pace that we've seen this year, some really strong domestic usage rates, a lot of those growers expect that corn and soybean prices are actually going to be higher by the first of the year and then by the time spring planting starts next year. So, you know, I'd say farmers are incredibly bullish on these markets right now. And with supplies being as tight as they are, we've had two years of just really kind of anomalous weather events that have led to yield shortfalls. Um, And it's possible we're looking at a third this year. Supplies are tight and that upward price pressure really favors farmers' uh, profit margins. Well, I get that. It'll be interesting to see how that unfolds because the uh, Chinese are working on their phase one import promises, which, by the way, go away January 1. So we'll see what the Chinese do in 2022, um, how that impacts the demand curve. So they are betting on good demand. Obviously, with the supplies tight, um, the solid demand is going to bolster prices. So this is very exciting. You asked about inputs. This is a very hot area right now. Um but you did look at input prices. What did you learn about that? So input prices are definitely one of the things that farmers are the most concerned about when they look to 2022. Uh, And um, when we asked farmers, you know, what their outlook was for next year's profitability, uh, 39% of our respondents said that they don't expect their profits to change significantly next year from those recorded this year. So I was a little bit surprised to see that. Um, Only 29% of growers expect profit margins to increase year over year in 2022. But, you know, there's 32% of that group that believe profits are going to fall next year. And with that group, their biggest concern that they voiced was higher input costs as the leading factor for tightening those margins. Um, And they don't expect the input prices to go down anytime soon. You know, the beginning of August is kind of peak pricing season for next year's input. So farmers are really busy looking into that information right now. 
And, you know, I think it's something it's something that I've talked about quite a bit in my economics columns that, you know, farmers may want to look at seeing if they can afford to wait for prices to go down next spring with all of the higher production costs, supplies, short supplies um, and just the weird global global trade flows that the ex that the input industry has kind of had to endure this past year. But farmers are saying that they think that input prices are going to be even higher next spring than they are right now. So I think we're definitely going to see a little bit more pressure on retailers this year for fall fertilizer applications and um, on prepaid activities for next year. Did you get a sense from the survey that the mood is pretty good? I mean, in terms of just the way people are responding, they seem bullish. Is it positive from your perspective? I would definitely say it is a measured optimism. I think farmers are keeping an eye on these input prices, on Chinese buying patterns. But I think there's a there's a lot of other things on their mind as well. Uh, inflation, as we saw this morning, it's still very it's still very prominent. The metrics we saw from the U.S. Labor Department weren't as high as we've seen in past months, but we're still about 5.4% higher than we were a year ago. So, you know, and where you see that at the farm gate, we're seeing higher labor costs, higher repair, freight, construction costs. Um, and that really has a significant impact on farmers' long-term strategy planning. About 89% of our growers expect land prices to rise in 22. Uh, the anticipated increase for land purchases averaged at 11%. You know, when you're looking at favorable crop ground that's going for thirteen dollars to $15,000 an acre and adding 11% to that, that really creates a lot of concern about navigating interest rates and uh, cash flows for the next year. So the tight supplies will definitely definitely help with that and help keep revenue streams high. A lot of farmers, but more farmers reported that inflation is a bigger concern to their farm than increasing interest rates. Um, in fact, 72% of our respondents said inflation was a bigger concern for their operation. Yeah, it impacts the family living uh, expenses. It, I mean, we think about inflation in a lot of different ways on the farm. I mean, uh, obviously, with the July consumer price report um, that we're discussing, going up 5.4%, at least the core rate didn't rise as high as everybody thought, which is good news. But yeah, I think that and then the interest rates, and we all know land prices and interest rates are inverted. As interest rates go up, land prices tend to slide. So, uh, Jackie, when you were looking at uh, different prices, you were talking about land prices going up. What about rental rates? What are farmers thinking about rental rates in the survey? They definitely expect rental rates to increase. Uh, 62% of our survey respondents said that they plan on paying higher land rents in 2022 compared to 2021. So it's definitely going to tighten the returns that we see back to the farm as we see other costs increase as well. I think it's interesting. It's it's part of the mood in agriculture, and it's kind of frustrating. You finally get a good year, and everybody wants a piece of the action. Exactly. Exactly. I know on my family's farm in Illinois, we've already had to talk with 
our landlords about what we're expecting for our profitability next year. And everybody wants a piece of the pie. So it's it's kind of hard to navigate divvying it up at the end of the day. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and overall, if you were to give an impression of the survey this time versus a couple, uh, the, the last two surveys, just as a, a sense of that, um, what would you say sums up the difference between this one? Is this significantly different than what you've seen in the last year and a half? I'd say that farmers, well, they're not, I would say, more comfortable. I don't think more comfortable is the right term for it in this very volatile economic environment that we're in right now. Um, they're learning how to navigate it and they're finding ways to hedge risk against it. So, you know, I think there's still so much unknown about how the world is going to emerge from the pandemic economic climate, but farmers seem very focused on being able to adjust and adapt to whatever comes their way and to still find ways to be profitable in spite of not really knowing what's on the horizon. Like I said before, a lot of measured optimism, definitely more familiarity with the unknown compared to where we were a year ago or even six months ago. Yeah, I think people are starting to feel like they're getting control of their own destinies again, which is kind of nice <laughs> when you think about what we've been through. Absolutely. So, Jackie, it's good to talk to you today. Um, I'm excited to just tell everybody on the podcast that we're all going to see you and your partner in crime or market analyst crime, uh, Ben Potter, at the Farm Progress Show. Um, you'll be on the stage every day. What time are you guys on stage? I believe it's at 10 a.m. But um, we're at 10 a.m. Central Time on stage at the Farm Progress Show in the Hospitality Building every day, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And if you miss Jackie and Ben there and you go to Grand Island the week of the uh, September 14th, 15th, and 16th in Grand Island, you can see them there too because you'll be on you'll be on hand in Grand Island, right? That's correct. It'll be exciting to see you at both locations. Again, Farm Progress Show, August 31st, uh, September 1st and 2nd. Jackie, thanks for your time. Thanks for your hard work on this survey. Um, good luck covering the markets. And uh, we'll uh, keep checking in with you on eCordnomics, your regular column on farmfutures.com. It's quite interesting and educational. And thanks for your hard work. You're welcome. Thank you for having me, Willie. Thanks to Jacqueline for her insights and added information from the Farm Futures Survey. We've been conducting those proprietary surveys with our readers for more than two decades and getting great insights. We appreciate those farmers that share their information with us. I'll bet there's one topic farmers really don't want to share information about, corn rootworm. More likely, the number of corn rootworm beetles that they're seeing in the field this season. We wanted a better handle on the topic, so we connected with Eric Wilson, agronomy manager at Whipple's Hybrids during a recent conference. Let's find out what he's learning in the field. Well, Eric, welcome to Around Farm Progress. Hey, good to be here. So we're standing in a, in a trade show area, so let's account for that noise. Right. But anyway, one of the things you're working on your Wiffles is to, the company is, is to kind of track a pest, a pest that we can't seem to get rid of, the corn rootworm. And the best way to track that pest is, of course, corn rootworm beetles. But what are you guys doing? And I know you're partnering with other companies, but what's, what's happening? Uh, this year in particular, uh, it, it's kind of blown up. Uh, I don't want to ring the alarm, Willie, but... Um, <laughs> We, we've come off of a couple dry years, and what that means for corn rootworm survival is very good conditions. So 
uh, when when you don't get those heavy rainfall events in in the June May June time period, uh, larvae survival is very good. Uh, we've had two dry springs in a row, especially in the northern parts of, of Iowa, uh, up into Minnesota. So survival has been uh, through the roof. So pressure is very high. Um, that puts a lot of strain on uh, what I'll say the the current established methods of managing corn rootworm. So, so how are you tracking that? I mean, how do we find these beetles? What's going on? So what we do is, um, you know, about about the 4th of July or shortly thereafter, we, uh, we have an initiative. We work with our dealer network. We work with our district guys, and we go out and we put out uh, just yellow corn rootworm sticky traps. Very simple. You go out uh, X amount of feet in a field. Obviously, the more traps you put out, the better data you get, but uh, just tie those right to a corn plant, and, and we're looking for that threshold of, uh, more than two beetles per trap per day. That, that would indicate that you, you probably will have a problem going into next year if you're in a corn on continuous corn situation. This doesn't sound like a lot of beetles to hit a threshold. No, no, it's very few. Uh, and in fact, we've got, you know, a lot of areas where uh, it's not uncommon to find more than 10 beetles per trap per day. So, so very, very high pressure areas, especially the last couple of years. Uh, the weather and environment has a lot to do with that, but also our our rotation or, or lack thereof you know continuous corn it's just it's a constant food source for them to to chew on and survive so uh, pressure is very high and you have seen a correlation between so if i find beetles in 2021 i should really be concerned in 2022 yeah yeah uh definitely worth having a conversation about um like I said, there's there's multiple ways you can manage some of that, traits being one way to go about it, uh, and, in, and soil applied insecticides being another, or, or uh, the one we actually like to recommend, even though we don't sell any soybeans, uh, yeah, go, go to soybeans. That is that is honestly the easiest and most effective way to, to, to break that cycle and, and reduce your populations and your pressure. So. And I know that we could talk about the rotation. We do have some breakthroughs on rotation with both uh, extended diapause and even some rootworm that seem to like soybeans. But, but on the whole, that still that rotation still breaks can break the cycle. Yeah, yeah, that is uh, especially for these areas where we've already exhausted the other um, uh, mechanisms for management. Uh, that is that is the best and most effective way to to start to try and change your population dynamics on some of those fields. So that's a deep conversation with your seed oh, yeah. salesman, yeah. really. Yeah, that's that's uh, we could probably spend the next hour talking about it at least. So it's probably not a conversation for now. But um, if you're seeing more pressure, which I know a lot of people are, even in some of those first-year cornfields this year, uh, definitely reach out, have a conversation with you know your trusted advisor, whoever you're working with on the seed side of things. So if I'm in a corn soy location, but my neighbor's a continuous corn person, does that put me in more danger when I'm putting corn in next year if they've seen significant pressure? Yeah, it absolutely can. Uh, you know, I, I won't say they're gonna they're not gonna travel miles, uh, but they could certainly travel field to field. Okay. So if we've got those populations built up uh, from our next door neighbor, definitely can get some moving in. So. So now, Wiffles, your, your website's reporting these uh, beetle trap numbers regularly. That's a good place I can go to see if in my area, in your coverage area, if I'm in that area, that what my problem is? Yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, we update that once a week, Willie. So uh, it's just on our website. It's free to anyone. You don't have to have a login or anything to use it. 
Uh, and I, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think you can look at maybe last year's past history as well. Uh, don't don't quote yeah, me on that for sure. Well, actually, I'm quoting you because this is on the podcast. <laughs> but at least something to look at on the website. But yep. then, but that's a starting point for a conversation with your seat salesman, whether it's Whiffles or whoever you work with. If I've got a problem. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. That's a great starting point. Yeah. Start checking things out. You mentioned some of the treatment levels. Are you guys looking at inferral with with traded hybrids, or how do you look at that? Uh, I won't say on a wide scale. Uh, we always try to get a few on farm trials. Um, those can be you know, easy or difficult, depending on the year that you have. Uh, you know, the toughest thing is trying to get someone to slow down to actually put those in in the spring because, you know, we get, we get in a hurry and we want to get everything planted as soon as we can. Uh, so we do have a few of those trials out. Um, I won't say it's, it's probably not enough information to make broad sweeping recommendations, but uh, a lot of this stuff the universities have looked at before. And some of that technology hasn't changed in quite a while. So <clears throat> what I would encourage people, uh, you know, reach out to your extension agents at, at a local level. They can certainly find you that information uh, for whatever whatever university is, is closest to you. Any supply issues for 2022? Uh, not as of right now. Our, uh, our seed crop looks really good. Um, so I've been told I haven't seen it in, in a couple months. But uh, so far it's, it's looked really good. It went in in a timely manner. Uh, we don't expect any supply issues uh, at this time. So. That's good. Well, Eric Wilson with uh, Wiffle Cyber, it's nice to talk to you today, and good luck with the corn rootworm. It's hard to say that fast. Yeah. Yep, corn corn rootworm management. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a mouthful. But, yeah, very nice talking to you too. Thanks to Eric Wilson for those insights. This year has brought more challenges, even with higher prices. And I enjoyed talking to Jacqueline Holland, market analyst with Farm Futures, about that brand's farmer survey. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands, as well as Farm Futures, Beef, National Hog Farmer, and Feedstuffs, and the Farm Progress show and Husker Harvest Days. And as we mentioned, those shows are back and live this year, so mark your calendar for August 31st, September 1st and 2nd for the Farm Progress Show and September 14th through 16th for Husker Harvest Days. You know, you can buy advanced tickets for either show at their respective websites, farmprogressshow.com and huskerharvestdays.com. You can have that ticket, you can print it out, you can even save on admission. And if you have that ticket printed and in hand, you're going to get through the line faster and get right to what you want to see at the shows. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.